Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Final Edition Radio Hour is a work of satire intended for people who own books, gentrify neighborhoods, and say they like kale. Please consume responsibly the satire, that is. lucky today to have on the show one of the most powerful men in the world. Please welcome Sundar Pichai, CEO of Google. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very pleased to be here, though I'm not sure why. While studying at Wharton, which is, as you know, the alma mater of President Trump, I did once attempt to do stand-up at an off-campus open mic night. My goodness, I bummed. I got no bloody laughs whatsoever. <laughs> well, Mr. Pashai, we're not expecting you to be funny. Jolly good. That's a load off. What does interest your listeners? AI? Self-driving cars? Google Glass? Interplanetary travel? Google's top secret morally self-correcting cruise missiles? Actually, what we're interested in is why Google is one of the chief donors to the Federalist Society. What is the Federalist Society? Come on, Mr. Pashai. You know perfectly well what the Federalist Society is. An arch-conservative activist organization which lobbies to get arch-conservative originalist judges appointed to the judiciary including Neil Gorsuch for the Supreme Court. Oh, the Federalist Society. I thought you said the Federal Express Society. No, you didn't. The Fatalist Society? No. The Fallopialist Society? No. The Final Editionalist Society? No. Why would an innovative, forward-thinking, progressive information-based corporation like Google align itself with people who believe that legal disputes should be settled according to the prejudices of the late 18th century? You know, I never think of Google as a corporation, but rather as a global community of marvelously diverse and creative users. Okay, great. When will you be redistributing a percentage of Google's profits to every single Gmail, Android, and YouTube user on the planet? You know, that is a marvelous idea. So generous. No, we won't be doing that. Bottom line. Why do you support the Federalist Society, which is anti-abortion, anti-civil rights, anti-union, pro-Trump, and anti-immigrant? You yourself spoke at a no-ban, no-wall rally against Trump's immigrant ban at Google in January. Ooh, you suck! Especially if it puts you in bed with the Koch brothers and the Mercer family who funded Breitbart News. Whatever happened to Don't Be Evil? Come, come, little lady. Supporting a group that supports the Constitution isn't evil. It is if what you're really doing is supporting Neil Gorsuch for the Supreme Court, who has a long record of pro-corporate, anti-regulatory decisions that would be great for your bottom line. Here at the final edition, we're thinking it's about time someone organized a nationwide boycott of Google. Google. 
here at Google, we know that you have a long record of watching lesbian porn, featuring teens who are almost certainly underage. Hmm? I believe you're particularly fascinated by squirting teens. Dear Diary, Today, quit social media again. Donnie blocked me from posting on his account. He's so mad I rebuked Wither attacks. I pined for days of Howard Stern when I could show face in public. Now face mostly fall off during day, small pieces at a time. Thank God for Botox. Appearing now in the National Opera in Washington, D.C., the riveting debut of Goddardammer Trump. Loosed basically on the Wagnerian classic, Goddardammer Trump is the incomprehensible story of weird people doing unexplained stuff, but obviously fucking up big time. And then when shit hits the fan, it's like over the top. Everybody eats it, totally. Featuring Donald Trump in a performance consisting almost entirely of tweets. Terrible, just found out that Obama had my wires tapped in Trump Tower just before the victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. Tormented and majestic, the character of Trump captures... How low has President Obama gone to tap my phones during the very sacred election process? This is Nixon Watergate. Bad... Or sick guy. Eventually, in a gradually descending series of Arnold Schwarzenegger is involuntarily leaving The Apprentice. Okay, okay knock it off. <clears throat> also featuring Kellyanne Conway as Brunhilde the Valkyrie. As the twilight approaches, the question isn't whether there's a twilight of anybody. The question should be who enters into what, and we have the ring, and we got it fair and square, and that means you lose and get over it. Kellyanne, you've been doing a great job. One last thing. I'm gonna need you to throw yourself on my funeral pyre, signaling the end of... Uh, I don't know. I just want you to do it. Right. Hello. Ted Cruz's office, Kellyanne Conway, does Senator Cruz still have my resume? Just listen to what audiences are saying about Goddardammer Trump. I, I think this means I'm going to lose my health insurance. I couldn't see anything. What's with the wall? Goddardammer Trump is for a limited time only, and when it's over, it's over. And coming up, don't miss the Pirates of Mike Pence's ass. The real story that Congress, the FBI, and all others should be looking into is the leaking of classified information. Must find leaker now. What inspired me to be a teacher? Well, when I was in sixth grade, our teacher, Mr. Mays, wrote in my student report, and I quote, he said, Peter, you can be anything you want. I found out later he wrote exactly the same thing on every other student report, which explains why he called me Peter. My name's not Peter. Peter.
My most fulfilling moment as a teacher? I guess it's when the school made us get special work email addresses and they wouldn't let us forward work email into our personal inbox or use any of our old passwords. I think it really helped the students learn. What is the best time of year? You know, whenever some local politician tries to get votes by shitting on my union, that's the best time of year. The best part of teaching? When it dominates your schedule, but they call you an adjunct, so they can drop you at will. It's sort of like how my husband is fucking his personal trainer right in front of me. That's kind of my thing. My biggest satisfaction as a teacher. Probably when I have to write individual reports on students every few weeks. I feel like I really make a difference when I copy and paste the same thing on all the reports. (laughs) One time I even forgot to change the students' names for each one. I ended up calling everyone Peter. Teaching. Yeah, there's some bullshit. of Representatives passed the 2017 Obeisance and Homage Act. Our strong powers has the story. House Speaker Paul Ryan said the new measure was a dramatic attempt to rescue the economy from the ditch of bankruptcy into which the Obama administration had driven it. The Obeisance and Homage Act requires the great caravans of wealth, including sumptuous jewels, rare grains, fatted calves and beeves, rich perfumes, and wines of esteemed vintage be brought before America's millionaires and billionaires in an attempt to earn their favor and mercy. Ryan was the principal sponsor of the bill, Congressman. Why is it good for the economy for us to give the wealthy more wealth? The wealthy of this nation are the job creators the engines of our economic vitality. So it is only right and appropriate that we bring them the bounty of our land on bended knee in order that they bless us with their favor. Democrats objected to the measure, saying it was tilted toward the rich. Democratic minority leader Nancy Pelosi. The wealthy deserve our gratitude, of course, but in this time of hardship for all Americans, we just think that the burnt offering of an entire ox is, you know, a a bit much. And what about beeves? Who even says that anymore? Speaker Ryan dismissed such criticisms. This is the usual class warfare we see being waged by the other side. I prophesy thusly, those who do not participate with glad and willing heart in the tributes to our beloved wealthy will be smitten and outcast. Economists are guardedly optimistic that the tributes and sacrifices could have a mild stimulative effect. Brad DeLong is a professor of economics at UC Berkeley. Let's say you're a hedge fund manager and you're already cash rich because you're paying an effective 15% tax rate on your income, which is all capital gains. Would a vast train of tributes, slaves, and animal sacrifices encourage you to invest more of your capital in job-creating enterprises? I would say possibly. The ways of the rich are unknowable to mortals like you and me. Thank you, Strong Powers. This just in. Everyone at Goldman Sachs has let it be known that they favor the legislation. 
through the auspiciously colored innards of a goat placed outside their office door in the White House. Dear Diary, Today I put on John Galliano wedding dress and pretend I'm not married yet. Can't get Billy Joel's rewrite of The Lady is a Trump out of head. Vomited to that song much, much times. Saw my son Baron. I think he wants to kill me. I say, Baron, wait until tomorrow. You're getting a pony as a birthday present. I hope he forgets. I didn't get him anything. Baron asks, what's meaning of life? I don't know how to tell him. Meaning of life is matching dresses and gloves. I don't think he wears dresses. I told him, Baron, you must marry rich woman, then for God's sake change name. Today, not sure ever marry Donnie, don't remember party or dinner or ceremony or dress. Only remember picture with Clintons. My mother told me she was pregnant with twins, but when she gave birth, only I came out. She thinks I ate sister. I tell her, but mama, I so thin. This is Tips for Time Travelers, and today we show how to tell the difference between the year 2016 and the year 2017. Here's 2016. Yeah, we have new neighbors. He's a doctor from Egypt? Man, that dude could be in the Taliban. You are so racist. No, I'm just being ironic. Can't you take a joke? 2017. Uh, he's a doctor from Egypt? Oh man, he could be in the Taliban. You are so racist. Yeah. And there's your time-traveling tip, Trekkers. That's how to tell the difference between 2016 and 2017. One vanilla cone, please. Coming right up. Hmm, let me guess. You're a senior in high school. Junior. I was close. So you're a Justin Bieber fan? Not really. Me neither. So, any plans after you graduate? Everything about joining the army? The army? It keeps you in shape. You get to wear camouflage, which I hear is very in right now. That's cool. It's cooler than Claire's jewelry. And get this. Now girls like you can fight on the front lines. What's that mean? That means fighting side by side with their fellow soldiers. It means never surrendering. It means refusing to be taken alive. So what do you say? I think that sounds pretty scary. Damn it, Bert. Your country needs you. Finish that cone, damn it. Hey there. Welcome to Frozen Delight. Ooh, I think I'll try the patriotic pralines and cream. Excellent choice. I named that one myself. Let me guess. You're a college student? <laughs> How do you know? I noticed your hip clothes, the jeggings, the leggings and whatnot. You a Bieber fan? Oh, God, no. Me neither. So, plans for after college? Everything about serving your country? You mean, like, joining the military? 
I mean like joining the army to fight on the front lines. Let me see your hands. Imagine those bad boys scripping an M16, spraying the enemy with bullets while dodging incoming fire, pulling shrapnel out of your leg while waiting for backup. Uh... There's a bus leaving for training camp tomorrow at 0700. Will you be on that bus? I... I... I, I think I left my wallet in my car. Be right back! You forgot your patriotic cone! Bert, you useless piece of shit! Finish that cone! Feel the brain burn! Hi, can we have two chocolate cones? So did you hear? Women can fight in the front lines now. What's so great about that? What's so great? Are you kidding? It's a huge step for the feminist movement. It's about time. Hell yeah it is. It's about time you ladies get to pull the pin of a grenade out with your teeth, savoring its metallic taste as you launch that sucker at the enemy. To sneak up behind a guy and slit his throat before he can cry out for help? Sign this form and we can make that happen! Uh, wow. Chill out, dude. I'm not fighting any wars, I just think it's great that other women can. Damn it, Bert. Whoa! He's eating straight from the frozen yogurt machine! Keep going, you piece of crap! Feel. The. Burn! Dear Diary, nobody believe all alone in world. On surface have everything. Only fun, matching dress, shoes, gloves, and nail color. And forbid to go to the movies, parks, papaya dog, or Chick-fil-A. Can order all I want from Netta Porte. They deliver my Missoni in brown paper bags. Also, I like L'Oreal better than Origins Naturals, cause I'm worth it. Once upon a time in a magical faraway place called the Hollywood Hills, kind of near Griffith Park. The script has the basic bones, but we gotta make it more real, you know? Like the way real people talk. Well, I personally think it should be more real. Make it the way people really talk, the way they really are. More real is what I'm thinking. More reality. Like real people. Like scene three, right? Aquaman is having a three-way with hobbits. What would a real person say in that situation? Well, if I were Aquaman, I probably wouldn't say anything. But that's you. What do real people talk about during sex? I mean, the few times I've had sex, the less said, the better. Sports? Oh my god, yes. Regular people talk about sports. They go on and on about sports. That's all they talk about. Sports. Yeah. Sports. Does anybody know sports? Uh, I'll get something online. Okay. So, Aquaman is doing two hobbits at once. No, 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 wait. Nine hobbits at once. Uh, because I think we gave him a blue whale's penis, right? Biggest penis in nature. Okay, so they're having blue whale penis hobbit sex, and Aquaman says, uh, what? Uh, the Orioles were third in their division in 2015. That's hockey? Um, uh, baseball. That is spooky authentic. Okay, that fixes it. Now scene 17. Scene 17, uh... Oh, by the way, does anyone have any cocaine? Uh, I don't know. What year is this? 2017. Uh, no, in that case, I only have prescription marijuana. Oh, never mind, I see it. Okay, scene 17. Danger Mouse kills Hitler. Got it. What would a normal person say right there? Holy shit, I killed Hitler? Normal people don't talk like that. 
Uh, what do we even know about normal people? Uh, well, normal people voted for Donald Trump, so they wear red hats and talk about making America great again. Actually, a big majority voted for Clinton. Yeah, but normal people voted for Trump. But most people didn't vote for him. But normal people did. I feel like we're talking in circles here. All right, how about Danger Mouse says, I killed Hitler, but he wasn't wrong about the Jews. Perfect. But that's deplorable. Audience is really going to like that? Let me tell you something, Terry. Everyone outside this room is a dirty fucking animal. Hey, can I play your penny whistle? Which one? The green one. Oh, you mean that one? No, no, the other one next to that green one. Oh, yeah, sure. Anyone you like. Thank you. Okay, scene 43. Deadpool is at our PTA meeting. What the hell do they do at PTA meetings? Well, I don't know about the PTA, but I've been to a meeting. Oh, yeah, I've been to meetings. Oh, I know how those go. He gets up and says, hi. My, My name, name is Deadpool, Deadpool and, and I'm, I'm an, an addict. addict. Yeah, we got this. And so the writers finished punching up a script that was eventually optioned by Warner Brothers, then got rewritten six more times by 12 more writers, and then somebody scored ecstasy in the all of happily ever after for about one to three hours, depending on environmental cues and concurrent use of other drugs. My stupid art museum. I could do this. Easy. I could do this in my sleep. Who's who's the clown that did this one? Monate? Never heard of him. Who's this? George O'Keefe. You call that a flower? I could paint a better flower. This looks more like a vagina. Look over there. A kid is touching the art. You're a stupid kid. You're not supposed to touch the art. No matter how bad it is. Look, look at that security guard scolding him. You call that a scolding? I could scold better than the security guard. Uh, what's this piece of crap? Andy Warhol? Campbell's chicken noodle soup. Campbell's is terrible for you. Try Amy. Well, what gives? They're turning out the lights in here? No warning? They're closing up all the gates? What, what is this, night at the museum? Ben Stiller sucks. I guess I'm sleeping on this bench tonight. What's this bench made out of? Cherry? They couldn't splurge on oak? What's this? Darkness? Hardly. In my house, you can't see anything. What I can I can still see my hand in front of my face. This isn't dark. Are you still listening to me? What, you don't have anything better to do? I'd be playing cards or out walking in a park? Oh, you stupid people. Good evening, everyone. I'm Jeff Van Gundy. And I'm Mike Green. Welcome to the NBA on ESPN. Tonight, the San Antonio Spurs face off against the Miami Heat. That's right, Jeff. And the two teams are ready to play. The referee has the ball, and there's the tip-off. Miami gets the ball with Hassan Whiteside. He's down in the low post against LaMarcus Aldridge. Shoots. It's short. Rebound Aldridge, who kicks it out to Tony Allen, and they're off to an energetic start for this first period, Mike. Uh, what was that, Jeff? It's a little hard to hear you tonight. The player's shoes seem to be a little squeakier than normal. I know what you mean, Mike. That does seem to be a lot of squeaking. Dragic shifts it across to Waiters, who gives it to Magruder, who makes the three-point shot. There's the timeout. Wax the floors or something, Mike. That squeak is very loud. It could be, Jeff. The staff here at the Amway Arena do work hard. And they're back as Deion Waiters moves through the opening, comes off the pick to make another three-point shot. This game is bonkers. 
sponsors, Jeff? Did you just say mention the sponsors? Uh, okay. This game is brought to you by Domino's. Order Domino's today and get two large pizzas for only $5.99 each. What a deal. Sorry, folks. I'm not sure if my broadcast partner Mike just said something or not. All I can hear is squeaking. So I want to be sure to mention our sponsors. Domino's. Order Domino's today and just stop with all these squeaks. Yes, Drogic's physique is looking on point today, Jeff. Right you are. This game is far for Miami. Hopefully they had time to get ample rest. Sure, Jeff, the cheerleaders do have supple breasts, but that is widely inappropriate to say on the air. How dare you, Mike? I 100% care about this game. How could you suggest such a thing? Yes, Jeff, why don't you just tell the whole world all about my fling with Whiteside? Look, he's a professional basketball player, and you know my biggest turn-on is a big salary. Besides, I was going through a divorce, and I needed a replacement. <laughs> Mike, I have no idea what you're talking about, because I definitely don't have dead bodies hidden in my basement because I'm a serial killer in my off days. Well, I'd say I'd agree with you, Jeff, but I can't hear anything. It just sounds like a bunch of mice having a gang war. Mike, why do their shoes have to squeak so much? Can't they just wear like a different type of shoe? I don't know, Jeff, but make it stop. Make it stop. Oh, look, here comes our producer, Kevin. Kevin, don't you agree that their shoes are louder than normal? Tonight. Hey fellas, try not shifting around so much. Your chairs are actually the things that are squeaking a lot. Our chairs? Oh! It was our chairs making all the squeaking sound like. <laughs> Well, hopefully we didn't mishear each other at all at any point during this broadcast. Well, don't ask me. I'm deaf. Back to the game. Dear Diary, When Donnie won president, I thought, fuck, and I'll never get to leave him. I knew he'd take away phone. I'm like Anne Frank. Have to keep quiet 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. or secret service come round. Only people I know here, Baron, Donnie, and Kelly. Kelly seem okay, but she looked like Joker. Not his leisure version either. They're not here much. I have ugly old Ming vases for company. Sometimes I go blank and stare at wall think of sign I saw at Women's March that say, Melania, if you need help, blink. I try blinking, but no help. This week, the Neil Gorsuch Supreme Court confirmation hearings begin. He is expected to fill the seat of Nino Scalia in more ways than one including using abstruse judicial language to mask corner bar bigotry. But let's not get too worked up. The Supreme Court's track record, after all, can be a lot worse than that, as this brief tour through the past, present, and future of SCOTUS demonstrates. And now, episode one of A Brief History of Court Packing. I'm your host, Anna LaSalt. The term court packing, as understood by the general public, emerged during the presidency of Franklin Roosevelt. But the phrase court packing was already used by justices in other contexts. We take you now to the chambers of Chief Justice Charles Evan Hughes in 1937. Uh, 
Oh, oh yes. Keep on packing, Justice Brandeis. Oh yes. Uh, uh. Hey, you like getting stopped with a circumcised smackle, Mr. Chief Justice? Yeah. Hey, you hear that Roosevelt wants to increase the number of justices? They call it court packing. Uh, uh, then what are we, uh, what are we gonna, what are we gonna call this? Uh, who knows? I call it pounding the gavel. I, I, I'm about to rule. Oh, I concur. I, I concur. Would you like a Cuban cigar? For a brief history of court packing, I'm your host, Anna Lasalt. Gentlemen, we hear today from Dred Scott, the slave of an army doctor who took him to free states and territories. Scott has sued in Missouri for freedom from a Mr. Sanford, brother-in-law of said doctor, now deceased, who refuses to comply. Our decision in this matter may have be of great significance. I abjure my learned colleagues to comport yourselves with the utmost respect for the laws of our land and for the humanity, decency, and rights of Mr. Scott. Oye, oye! The Supreme Court of these United States is now here gathered. Chief Justice Roger B. Taney presiding. All rise for the Chief Justice. Here comes the judge. He is the judge. Everybody know he is the judge. All you bucks gotta listen to me, cause I'm the judge, as you can plainly see. Don't want no tears, don't want no lies. Above all, don't want no alibi. Plaintiff may now address the court. Esteemed justices, my name is Dred Scott. I come before you today to plead for my freedom. Although born a slave, I have long resided in the free state of Illinois and the Wisconsin Territory, as has my wife Harriet. Well there, Miss Bones. Is you one of those zip coons that aim to rise above your station? With apologies, Your Honor, I do not comprehend either the tenor or intention of your line of questioning. What be your true name, boy? Count Julius Caesar, Mars, Napoleon, George Washington, Scott? (laughs) (laughs) Your Honor, my name is merely Dred Scott, who humbly petitions freedom for his family and himself under the terms of the Missouri Compromise of 1820 and enshrined by 38 years of legal precedent. What's that on your cool black neck, Miss Arbones? A woolly head or a watermelon? Keep up this highfalutin' hogwash. I's gonna hold you up in contempt. Roger. What is it, Curtis? I wonder if speaking to him in his own lingo is perhaps muddying the issue. With respect, how would a bleeding heart bean eater from Boston know how to talk to a darkie? He hath no mind in the customary sense. He is more to be likened to livestock. I smell a powerful descent, Chief Justice. And I, Justice Curtis, smell a powerful scent. The wind of abolitionism breaking from your posterior, sir. You will inherit that wind, sir. Yes! yes, yes. Order! 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 Order in the court! I am the judge! 
Judge, your honorship, did you say order in the court? Yes, Justice Campbell, I said order. Then I'll take a mug of beer, sir. <laughs> you stand for disassembly in your tatty old boots, but you isn't got no standing. <laughs> With respect, your honor, I have standing as a citizen of the great state of Missouri. Our founding daddies hold this truth self-evident. No darky from the darkest Africa can ever be a citizen of this heat of land. Uh-oh, here comes the judge. Everybody know he is the judge. So here is the judgment of this here Dutch judge. According to our constitution, darkies, beings of inferior order, you is unfit to associate with the white man. You isn't got no rights. The white man's got to respect. Your Honor, if I might raise one point. Stick to your banjo and your hoe, Sambo, or you is a headed for the calaboose. Yes, Your Honor. You is a slave for the benefit of the white man till you grin up to heaven. You is bought and sold as ordinary merchandise. Case dismissed. There goes the judge. He is the judge. Everybody knows he is the judge. Gentlemen, we have today, in a peaceable and judicially equitable manner, put the matter of slavery once and for all beyond the reach of mere politics, and thus avoided the grim prospect of a war between the states, all thanks to the wisdom and supreme authority of this court. There goes the judge. He is the judge. Everybody know he is the judge. Don't want no tears. And now, another episode of A Brief History of Court Packing. I'm your host, Anna LaSalt. Court packing as a political ploy emerged in the mid-20th century. But court packing as a rectal romp reached a peak during arguments for the case of Lawrence v. Texas, which concerned sodomy laws. We now take you to the chambers of Chief Justice William Rehnquist in 2003. Whoa! Justice Scalia, gentle! My puckered rectum is 79 years old. Oh, deciding sodomy cases gets me so hot. Take my moral opprobrium, Chief Justice. What's that sound? It came from the closet. It's just me. Oh, Justice Souter, of course. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Higgledy piggledy. Ah, yes. Jiggery pokery. Ha ha ha. And no discussion of court packing is complete without a salute to the greatest packer of them all, mid-20th century Justice Hugo Black. It's from his name that we get the saying, when Hugo Black, you don't go back. For a brief history of court packing, I'm your host, Anna LaSalt. Many jurists have served our nation with distinction. But what about those who flamed out in the confirmation process and never completed the journey from presidential nominee to naked beneath the robes justice? We have uncovered lost audio of the failed confirmation hearings of several SCOTUS nominees from the turn of the 20th century. You will hear echoes of our modern process in their once classified recordings. In 1907, 
Teddy Roosevelt sought to counter the court's striking down of progressive labor laws by nominating Albert Woodsman, who established the tradition of evading questions from the Judiciary Committee. Turning to the landmark 1895 decision of Inree Debs and the 1905 Lochner v. New York ruling, these cases essentially established that the government may, on the one hand, force striking laborers to return to work, and on the other, may not establish any protections for them from unsafe working conditions. Considering the issues of stare decisis and precedent, is this now settled law? I feel the need to stay away from the particulars of cases. I'm happy to discuss the principles of stare decisis. <clears throat> but you're a judge. Surely you must have an opinion on, on workers' rights, uh, capital versus labor, uh, humanity versus cruelty. I feel the need to stay away from the particulars of cases. I'm happy to discuss the principles of stare decisis. Do you or do you not believe those in the working class are, in fact, human beings? I feel the need to stay away from the particulars of cases. I'm happy to discuss the principles of stare decisis. Millions of our citizens work under life-threatening conditions for the benefit of a far-removed capital class with no stake whatsoever in the well-being of the labor class. And yet this court has prevented even the most basic consideration of their well-being, almost as if it were bought and controlled by that very capital class. What say you to that accusation? I feel the need to stay away from the particulars of cases. I'm happy to discuss the principles of stare decisis. What if I were to punch you in the dick? Would you have an opinion on that? I feel the need to stay away from the particulars of cases. Woodsman later withdrew himself from consideration after being repeatedly punched in the dick. Tell us what you think about the comments in Santa Clara County v. Southern Pacific Railroad, which some say granted corporations rights just like people. I do not believe that will ever become an issue in any way whatsoever in the future at all. Ever. So, are corporations people? I don't believe so. Yes or no, Judge? Are corporations people? I prefer not to say. Yes or no? Is this some sort of litmus test? Litmus test? What is that? Are you a battery? What? No! Litmus test! It's a phrase for a single issue that renders judgment about overall acceptability. Like gun control or abortion. Gun con what? Abortion? What? I'm sorry, sir, but your answer forces me to ask. Are you now, or have you ever been, a battery? No, that's nonsense. Have you ever attended any meetings of the American Battery Party? No! Do you associate with known batteries? What does that even mean? Do not question the integrity of these hearings. The nominee later withdrew after admitting he was a battery. In 1912, William Howard Taft nominated a little-known academic, Professor Isaac West Woodington, to the High Court. The very existence of his confirmation hearing was denied until this recording. Regarding Plessy v. Ferguson, affirming the notion of separate but equal for the blackies and us regular folk, it's really no big deal, right? Right? I mean, you do want this position on the court, am I right? Right? 
Well, your honor, it is my humble opinion that the doctrine of separate but equal is untenable. <gasps> it is inhumane. <gasps> Unfair. And demeans the citizenship of our black friends and neighbors. They're not equal. <gasps> they don't live near me. What does friend mean? Furthermore, it is my learned opinion that in due course, a black man, a, a black lawyer even, will argue before the highest court that there can be no such thing as separate and equal, as the very act of separation changes the nature of any services or activities, uh, thereby rendering them inherently unequal. This black lawyer will not only have segregation struck down, he will usher in a movement for civil rights for, for all people until he himself is appointed a justice of our very Supreme Court of these United States. Judge Wes Woodington, you cannot be serious, are you? <clears throat> nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, blackies are worse than women. If you confirm me, I will overturn the Civil War. Despite popular support, Judge West Woodington came up one vote short of confirmation when it was revealed that his bar exam had been taken by his black mistress. Finally, in 1920, Walter Woodward Jameson had the shortest confirmation hearing on record. What do you think about the 18th Amendment, ratified on January 16, 1919, prohibiting the manufacture, transportation, and sale of intoxicating liquors? You don't know me. I swear this was never... Hey, Senator Johnson. Yeah, that's a guy right here. This is the guy I'm talking about. We're selling the watering hole and... What? Yes, I'm drunk right now. Not only that. Guess what, America? I'm a battery. And now, another episode of A Brief History of Court Packing. I'm your host, Anna LaSalt. Court packing as hot anal sex between consenting justices has a long and hard history on the court. But what is the future of court packing? We now have three female justices. Will that provide new openings that will make court packing obsolete? Justice Clarence Thomas, ever the originalist, doubts that, declaring... Chicks like it in the ass! In a little notice dissent in an opinion on interstate commerce... For a look at future court packing, we take you to the chambers of Chief Justice Elena Kagan in the year 2045. Yes, yes, take my sturdy strap-on of progressive jurisprudence, Justice Chelsea Clinton. Oh, oh, you're next, Justice Katy Perry. What's wrong, Justice Sotomayor? Ever since President Hillary Clinton's appointments made the Supreme Court all female by the year 2020, court packing just hasn't been the same. You know, stop squirming, Justice Chelsea. I never thought I'd say this, but I kind of miss John Roberts' patriarchal cock in my ass. Oh, it just felt so wrong. 
How do you feel about it, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Uh, please let me die. For a brief history of court packing, I'm your host, Anna Lasalt. If corporations are people, as the Roberts Court has reaffirmed, what kind of people are they? Some are huge, pornographically wealthy, globe-trotting people. But others are ordinary, hard-working, paycheck-to-paycheck folks whose rights are just as sacred as a multinational's, but who can sometimes be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Hey, people, get your gourmet southern fried chicken littles here, 100% organic, 50 gourmet sauces. Wow, these bite-sized chicken littles with seven sizzling Szechuan sauces are awesome. Your food truck is awesome. And half the price of Chick-fil-A. Okay, you corporate motherfucker, out of the truck, hands on the hood. Show us your fucking articles of incorporation. Why? Chicken Little LLC ain't done nothing. We got a 911 from the Northeastern Regional Division of Chick-fil-A, Inc. that you stole a significant tranche of their 18 to 35-year-old consumers. Get in the fucking car. Chicken Little is a registered LLC. I can't breathe. It, it has... I can't... All the rights of the person. Stop struggling. I am legitimately subduing you. Watch out, Stiggy. He's reaching for that high-powered attorney by the deep fryer. just obliterated that small business and its attorney. Go fuck yourself. It was corporate suicide. Bullshit. I caught it all on my cell. Corporate lives matter. Who the fuck are you? Scumbuzz.com LLC is a fully incorporated anti-social media Silicon Alley startup. Your brutal corporate of Chicken Little LLC has already gone global viral. Corporate lives matter! Corporate lives matter! The whole world is watching! Show us your fucking articles of incorporation. Speak to my attorney. Legal Zoom! Corporate lives matter! Stiggy, we gotta call for backup. These fucking corporations are mad as hell. I fear for my life. What? All right. I also fear for my life. Surprisingly soon afterwards, the Supreme Court agrees to hear the case. In conclusion, Your Honor Chief Justice Roberts, the case of Stigowitz and Jigowitz versus Chicken Little LLC et al. turns on the personhood of corporations vis-a-vis the personhood of human persons. The hollowed legal traditions of probable cause properly give the police the benefit of the doubt when they homicide human persons in the course of discharging their duties. If a corporation is a person, 
Surely the same standard should apply when they stand accused of corpricide. As the Klingons say, this is lacking reason. Since so many more privileges inhere in corporations than in human persons, there must be a higher standard which the police must meet when they homicide corporations. In a nutshell, do corporate lives matter more than human lives? I believe they do now, and will do so even more in the Klingon universe to which we are transitioning, when corporations eventually become supreme beings. These officers must be held accountable for their flagrant corporate of Chicken Little LLC, as well as the corporate of many other innocent corporate entities whose bright future in a more perfect Klingon universe they extinguished. It is the judgment of this court that under Florida's new cruelest and unusualest punishment statute, Officers Stigowitz and Jigowitz shall be taken from this place, hung by the neck until half dead, disemboweled with a rusty bread knife, and cut into 100 pieces each, which shall then be fed to homeless and destitute corporations. Tony, we gotta come up with a promo. Our listeners don't know enough about all the great stuff the final edition does. Even when we tell them it's all this like blah 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 dot 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 www.url crap. No one gets what that is on radio. They just tune it out. Well, I have the perfect way to hold their attention while we give them the goods. When I was at the National Lampoon in the 70s, our most famous cover had a cute mutt with a 38 Magnum to its head and the legend Buy this magazine or we'll shoot this dog. Yeah, I remember that, but how does that help us? It was a visual image for a magazine. Meet Freckles. Freckles? Oh, there, there. Good boy. What's the matter then? Also, meet my 38 Magnum. Jesus Christ, you have a gun? Don't wave that thing around here. Is that thing loaded? Sure is. Hey, listeners to the Final Edition Radio Hour on Progressive Voices on TuneIn. If you don't stay tuned to this promo while Jeff gives you all the necessary info about our fabulous website and our fabulous YouTube channel and other fabulous stuff we do, I will shoot this dog. Jesus, man, take the gun out of that defenseless animal's ear. Uh-uh. Give him a good, Jeff. Oh, my God. Poor Frickles. Okay, fine. Hey, listeners to the Final Edition Radio Hour, you want more of what we do, go to thefinaledition.com. Our radio airs on this network on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday at 8, as well as Wednesday at midnight. We've also got an album, we've got a Twitter feed, we've got a great YouTube channel, Facebook, everything you can want at thefinaledition.com. Now, tell them to tap all that into their iPhones or leave themselves an audio memo. No, I won't. I told them enough, Tony. I'm calling me a Tell them, tell them, or the dog gets it. I'm cocking the gun right now. Okay, listeners, Please, uh, write this down, thefinaledition.com, thefinaledition.com. Go there for everything you want from the final edition or this crazy old British coot is going to plug old freckles. Okay, that wasn't so hard, was it? Come here, freckles, you dumb old chum. Hey, hey, get down. Get, get down. Get away from me. Get you crazy bug. Good job, freckles. Get, get him. Sick him. Oh, yeah, this is Jeff Chrysler God. for the final edition of Radio oh, Hour crazy. on Progressive Voices on oh, TuneIn. God. 8 p.m. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night. Midnight on Wednesday. God. Ah. No, Freckles, put that thing down. You don't have opposable thumbs. 
All right, the suspect should be calling us in a few moments with their demands. We just have to keep her on the line long enough to trace the call. Everyone got it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Detective Marshall, you'll be manning the phone as the rest of us try to lock down her coordinates. Yes, sir. Okay, here it is. It's go time, people. Hello, you've reached the Los Angeles Police Department. How can I direct your call? No, I must have the wrong line. Marshall, she hung up. What happened? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, w I was just trying to make it sound professional. That way, you know, it wasn't like we were expecting the call, y you know? Well, uh, well, damn it, we need her to stay on the line. Okay, she's calling back. Don't mess it up again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hi, LAPD. How can we help you? Uh, yes, uh, how's everyone doing down at the precinct today? Uh, everyone enjoying their Einstein Brothers bagels and coffee, are we? How did she know what we were eating? Well, I'm enjoying myself here, too, and so are these seven hostages. Or maybe make that six. Unless you give in to my demands. First, I... Sorry, can you hold for a second? I'm getting a call on the other line. Hello, LAPD, how can I help you? No! Marshall, what in the frack? You hung up with her! Another call was coming in. I thought it could have been an emergency. You're on your desk phone, not the 911 line, you idiot. God, how did you even become a detective to begin with? Oh, it's interesting story. Uh, you see, my cousin used to work... Shut up. She's calling back. Hey, what's up? Um, what's up? Is... This Detective Marshall at the LAPD? Yes, I'm him. I mean, uh, yes, this is he. Hi, yeah, hi, I'm Detective Marshall. Good. And how are you doing today? Hopefully not too nervous. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fine, I guess. Uh, I'm kind of tired. I haven't been really sleeping well lately. Oh, I wonder why that could be. I'm not really sure. I think I'm drinking too much coffee late at night. You know how it goes. Oh. Yeah. Okay, well, um, I guess I'm gonna go. Keep her on the line. Okay. Um, so, like, hey, uh, like, where are you exactly right now? Why? Are you tracking me? I don't think so. We lost her. Marshall, what was that? Sorry, Captain, I'm not really good at talking on the phone. I'm more of a face-to-face -face talker, you know? Well, now's not the time for your social awkwardness. We need to find out where she is and save the hostages. Okay, uh, well, why not just use the caller ID? Uh, it says that she's calling from Barnes & Noble. Well, there's only one Barnes & Noble still in business in the entire western United States. We got her! I mean, really, anyone still shopping at Barnes & Noble is the hostage, am I right? Was that your idea of being better at talking to people in person? Um, yeah. Then, nice one. Let's move out, people! <laughs> Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening to the Final Edition Radio Hour. The voices of the Final Edition are performed by Bruce Cherry, Jen Dodd, Jim Earl, Rob Gordon, Tony Hendra, Keith Saltohanes, Gil Barron, Ben Kirchner, John Gutierrez, Megan Gallagher, Samantha Gerwitz, Sean Ari Leher, Dan Frick, Dan Vitale, Jeff Chrysler, Barry Lank, John Marshall, Abby Parker, Rachel Rauch, James Mount, Jessica Park, Kurt Weitzman, Rob Miller, Kayla Merrill, Andrew Danish, Leslie Shapira, Anne Tuchel, and Darby Worley. Credit to our writers at the Final Edition Radio Hour, 
Bruce Cherry, Jen Dodd, Rob Gordon, Tony Hendra, Jeff Chrysler, John Marshall, Barry Lank, James Mount, Gil Barron, Ben Kirchner, John Gutierrez, Jessica Park, Kurt Weitzman, Leslie Shapira, Melinda Hughes, Jeremy Rayburn, and Steve Rosenfield. The final edition is produced and directed by Tony Hendra and Jeff Chrysler. West Coast production by Barry Lank. Audio edited and engineered by Greg Russ and Andrew Hammond. The Final Edition Radio Hour is the property of the Final Edition LLC. Copyright 2014. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.